today, I, I want to ask the Lord to help me and for you to pray for me as I endeavor to uh, open up a new series, I trust that it's the Lord's will, um, entitled God of All Circumstances, God of All Circumstances. You ever found yourself in a circumstance that, I'm talking about a life situation, uh, and personally even, that you don't understand. You're just frustrated. Well, you're not alone. You're not. Or with the, with the world and maybe some others, you say, well, you know, it's not just not right. And you know it's not. And it's not, but, but why is it going on? I pray that the Lord would help us to see that he is a God of all circumstances. I think that's probably the number one struggle that true Christians have is making God the center of their lives. My particular sermon title today is Throne Him, T-H-R-O-N-E. And the reason I wanted to say that is because I think so often we don't put God on the throne. Again, not that we can take him off or put him there, but I, I think we understand what I'm going with this is practically we don't realize that God is on the throne. I would say that if most of us was honest with ourselves and you review a given day of your life, every your thoughts, your prayers, your Bible reading, um, your activities during life, if we're honest, most of that is self-centered. Now, isn't it? It is for me. I, I'm ashamed to tell you that. I'm supposed to be a preacher. But, I, but I'm, I'm awfully self-centered, I'm afraid. And what, so what, I, I pray that God would help us and we'll be strengthened a lot more and have a lot more comfort and peace if we take ourselves off the throne and, and put God there. It's really true when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to thee. I pray that the Lord bless the efforts anyway. I do want to throne him and I want you to. It may be a short sermon, i got to tell you. And it's not because I don't have a lot I want to say. It's because I don't know how to say it. It's because God is so mighty and so wonderful and so powerful and so majestic that poor lips of mortal man cannot say it. It's like when we walk to the waterfall. My family and I would go to the waterfall and, and we would take a trek through the woods and we talked all the way, but when we got to the waterfall, we did not say a word because we couldn't hear one another either. It's like the first time I remember as a boy going to the mountains and I remember 
seeing them afar off and thinking, that must be a cloud. And the closer I got to the mountain, the bigger the mountain got. And I want you to know the closer you get to God, the bigger God will get. And the bigger God gets, the smaller your problems will be. Thrown him. Do not doubt him. Do not try to run from him. Do not try to figure him out. Do not try to to change God to meet your circumstances. May we, by God's grace, change to meet the God of all circumstances. That's kind of what I want to try to say. I need a lot of help. And only God can do it. If Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 verses 33 through 36, please. I wanted to use that. Because the Apostle Paul used it in the impression of the Holy Spirit to put a cap on the great doctrines of grace listed in Romans. How God saves sinners like us. And, and at the same time, how He blinds the Jews. Oh, how wonderful salvation is. And so here's what He says. Verse 33, Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. Verse 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Verse 35, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. And then verse 36, here is the throne verse to me. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory. Forever. Amen. What I want to try to say from this, I want to say three points, mainly from verse 36. Throne him. Why? First of all, because God creates all circumstances. Notice, for of him. God is the power, the product of them. Point number two, God controls all circumstances and through Him, they have to come through God. All circumstances. And point number three, God carries us through the circumstances that He creates and that He controls to Him. 
He's bringing us to Him. We're on our way to God. That's what life is about. That's why you're saved. And no circumstances will hinder that. For all things to Him be glory forever. All things, there's all circumstances. There's simply no situation that this does not apply to. We're going to see from Scripture even the sins and stupidity of humans God uses not to be a part of the sin, but God uses sin to combat sin. Okay? And God is God of all. So first of all, let's look at God creates all circumstances. The scriptures tell us that in Him we live and move and have our being. That we would all agree if we think about this world, this material world, God created it. Now what I'm trying to tell you is nothing you're going to feel like believing necessarily. All I'm asking you is to search God and look at God's Word. Do not let the world be on the throne, okay? Do not let your feelings and your emotions be on the throne. God is on the throne. He creates all circumstances. Not a molecule is movable or living except from God. God controls every leaf that falls on a tree. Every ant that climbs over a crumb of bread on the ground. God creates it, a circumstance, a situation. And he does it so that he will get glory. That's what the book is about. That's what God is about. Isaiah 45, I'm going to ask you to look at some scriptures with me that you need to be familiar with if we're going to really believe that God creates all circumstances. Because some circumstances are not so pleasurable. Isaiah 45 is one of those. Look at verse 5. He says there, I am the Lord. Throne him. And there is none else. Only one. Now you would kind of think, and I've heard certain celebrities say that they just tuned out of God because God was so self-centered. You imagine. I mean, God created everything. Everything you have comes from God. You are God. I mean, you come from God. God created us out of nothing. He made everything. I mean, we see who helped him. Nobody. Where did he get his counsel? There is no God beside me. He says in verse 5, I girded thee. In other words, 
I bound you, I, I, I picked you up, I held you in place, though thou hast not known me. God knew you before you knew God. And then in verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. God is emphasizing, I want you to throne me. I want you to put me on the throne. I want you to know that I'm number one, that nobody's above me. Verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I create or make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Throne it. Notice the contrast there. Don't let the fact that our holy, righteous, merciful God creates evil bother you. He's not talking about a sinful evil. Notice how he contrasts light and darkness. There is light and darkness. There's seasons. And there's a purpose in them both. And then, and then he contrasts evil with peace. Now if he had contrasted it with righteousness, that would be a concern. But he says peace and evil. See, God creates evil for the punishment of sin. He does not create evil for guilt. I, the Lord, do all these things. Here we see a God that creates all things. He's a God of all circumstances because He creates all circumstances. Colossians 1.17 says that by Him all things consist. Now we need to let that resonate in our hearts. All things. God creates. We need to get that hooked in our hearts that God created this world. And the world is totally against that. You know that. God creates circumstances to fit a plan that He made for this world before He made the world. You see, here's the deal, as I understand it. God foreknows. He knows and He foreknows, but it goes further. He foreordains. So that what we see in the circumstances of life is not so much that God foreknew about it, but God did more. He foreordained it. You say, Well, that's fatalism, preacher. No. That is excitement, godly zeal. 
It should make us say, yes, this is a day the Lord has made. I'm going to be glad in it. He foreknows it all. He ordained it all, but I don't know what he's going to do. Well, then if God knows everybody that's going to be saved, preacher, why do we go to church? Why do we have evangelism? Why do we promote the gospel? Because I don't know who they are, and you don't either. So that makes us understand, like, I believe that if I don't take a breath, I will die. But I don't go around wondering if I'm going to die, I take a breath. So you embrace the sovereignty of God, and you say, God created all things. Put him on a throne. And keep him there. First Kings chapter 1 or chapter 12 in First Kings says, here's a situation where God used a circumstance. He created a circumstance to chasten his people. And he often does that in our life. First Kings chapter 12 says this in verse 24. Shemini was a man of God, and he came and brought a message to an evil king, Rehoboam. And it's about them fighting Israel. And he read in verse 24, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearken therefore to thy word of the Lord, and return to the part according to the word of the Lord. Now, they were not intending to do that when it all started. See, God was in the circumstance. And that was going to fulfill a prophecy that Isaiah had made. See, God's prophecies are not so much about revelation. God's prophecies are what God has decreed to be. They're not so much rather a prediction as they are a revelation of what God is doing. In Ezra chapter 1, you know, I've turned there, you remember Cyrus, a pagan evil king. In the first chapter of Ezra, the first couple of verses, God says there plainly that God put it in his heart. The Bible says that God stirred this man's heart that he would build a temple to God. See, God uses, he stirs the heart. Proverbs 121 or one of those verses in Proverbs says, uh, uh, maybe it's Proverbs 21 maybe. It says though that the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord, and he turneth it like waters of rivers of water, whithersoever he will. So God creates all circumstances. Now here's the deal for you and me. There's two words that cannot ever, ever go together. Those two words are no and Lord. If you're going to say no, then God is not your Lord. 
And if you say Lord, you're going to say yes. Now you look at it from your life and you say, who is on the throne? Is the world on the throne? Are you on the throne? Number two, God controls all circumstances. So you think, in this world we're living today, which appears to be out of control. Is it happening what we see? Is this something that surprises God and and he's really frustrated? No, absolutely not. You see, God controls the circumstances. Do you think that if God created all things, which he did, then he would just say, well, let's just see what happens. Would God not then control everything he's created? And he has a purpose. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. He has a purpose in all things. In verse 11, if you want to look at it with me, I'll read it too. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now that is from God. It is a creator God who is on the throne. Who is never ever going to leave the throne. But is working all things after the counsel of his will. Now we might not understand what those things are, how they're working out. Notice from our text that God's ways are mysterious and deep. God says in Isaiah 57, he says, Thus saith the Lord that sits, or the high lofty one that sits in eternity. But he also looks into the contrite ones and brokenhearted. Here we see God. Controlling circumstances. Sits high, but he looks low. He knows our hurts. Jesus Christ was predetermined, preordained, before the foundation of the world to die for sinners. It was not some afterthought. Acts 2.23. Because God's plan was, again, notice, get glory. The innocency of mankind cannot bring God glory. That's why the fall took place in the Garden of Eden. Because God had before that provided a way that justice and mercy could have hand in hand. And don't you think that God did not know 
every sin that you would commit. And because he made a plan and worked that plan in that circumstance, that justice and mercy has met you. Because I know that God had a cross for Randy Waters. That God knew what a sinner this was. He controls all things. Every circumstance. He creates it and he controls it. Even evil. You remember when Abraham sinned against God and lied about Sarah? And the king Abimelech took her into his house or kingdom? God would not let him have any physical relationship with her. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 20, verse 6. It's not because the wicked king didn't want to. It's because God stopped him. I believe that God has stopped us from a lot of sinning too. You see, God's grace is so powerful that he controls us. He restrains us. He horns and he softens. You know what Pharaoh, Romans 9, what did he leave Pharaoh? He said because he wanted to show his great power, he hardened. Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And yet he softened. You remember the nurse and they took in Moses. The baby was, a decree was made to kill all of them. And, and this one lady had compassion in Exodus chapter 2 for Moses. Why did that happen? I'll tell you why. Because God was controlling the circumstance. Why do you think things that happen in your life, that some things just have turned it upside down, I know, but you know what? You need to understand that God is on the throne, and I want to help you, and I want to do it too. God says in Acts 15, He has a plan. Here's what He says in Acts 15, verse 18. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. God has a plan. And it's not going to change. It's not. Look at uh, Isaiah again, 46. Here it is. Isaiah chapter 46. It says this. Verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. Groaning. He is God. And there is none else. I am God, and there is none else. Declaring the end from the beginning, verse 10, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, say, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. See here? There's nothing any more tragic, horrific than the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think that's just because he got in the wrong place? And because some radical mob just took over? <laughs> oh no. 
All that was predicted by God, the one God that's controlling the circumstances and then bringing, created them and then brings them to be. Thousands of years before it was said, not a bone would be broken. That he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Where he would be born. When he would be born. See, it's amazing to me. I just, I just am so excited about God, and I want you to be, because in this world that we're living in, I just know that God is up to something. And the best thing for us to do is keep him on the throne. What is it said when we're down to nothing? God is up to something. Revelation 1.1 talks about the revelation given to Apostle John. He says, I'm about to tell you some things that shortly must come to pass. And we need to know the prophecy. We need to know that this world is not getting any better. The philosophy of man, the kindness, the stimulus checks, science, we're not going to fix it. God says in the latter times there will be people that turn away from God. That in this time, in this very world we're living, there's going to be an antichrist. No, the church is not going to be swept up and taken to heaven before that happens, as I understand. What we need to understand is how we need to be firm in the faith. That, that Antichrist's ministry is going to be cut short. And Jesus is coming back. But until then, we need to understand as Christians, we're living in the world today, I don't have to tell you that what I'm trying to say or any preacher or any Christian tries to preach is now a hate speech. And we're going to have to be firm. If you want your parents, children, I mean, your children, parents, to know God, then you're going to teach them God. Because they're not going to pick it up anywhere else. That's where it needs to be anyway. God needs to be on the throne in your house. That's what Joshua said. He said, that's for me and my house. We'll serve the Lord. What he was saying is, God, and I'm going to throne him. I'm not going to put God on the back burner. And then thirdly, God carries us through all circumstances. He does. But here's the deal. You cannot let your experience direct you and getting through the circumstances of this life. You're going to have to let the Word of God do it. The Holy Spirit do it. See, what we need to do is put God in the center of our circumstance. Look for a way to give Him glory. I was talking to one of our church folks the other day who's recently had some procedure and got to stay down for a while. 
He said when we closed the phone conversation, he said, you know, Brother Randy, I've been reading the Bible. He says, now, he says, I've just started reading the Gospel of John. I'm going to have a lot of time to read God's Word. You see what he was doing with his circumstances? He was finding God in the center of that circumstance. Maybe, just maybe, this thing is from God. Maybe what we ought to do is take our situation and the circumstance and look at God as being on the throne and saying, God, how do you want me to react to this? Because what God will do in any circumstance, what God's word will do is give you the truth. When the disciples were on a stormy ship and they were about to lose their life, they feared for their life. They even said, we're going to die. Was that the truth? No, it wasn't the truth. The truth was sleeping in the boat. Jesus is the truth. There was a multitude of people come out on a mountain and didn't have anything to eat. Here the apostles come to Jesus in this circumstance and say, well, what are we going to do? We don't have enough. There's one little boy here with a little basket of food. Two fishes and five loaves. We're going to starve is what he was saying. And was that the truth? No, it wasn't the truth. Nothing is too hard for God because he is on the throne. He can do all things. And he's doing things. Do you think God would save you by his grace and then just throw you out and let you see if you can figure it out? God has called us to walk by faith and not by sight. That is keeping your eye on God in the throne. You know, you cross, you're lost. Maybe it's from God. Don't try to kick against the prick so much. You know, that's the worst sorrow we can have is let our sorrow be our sorrow. We need to put God on the throne and use our circumstance for his glory. So many times it's hard to figure out we don't put God in the right place. Job had a lot of problems figuring God out. Why is all this happening to me? Why is all this happening in the world? See, we knew God's perspective because we'd had the last chapter. We could read it. Job didn't know that. His friends didn't know that. They tried to tell him, well, Job, it's some kind of sin. You, you want to just confess him. Well, Job didn't man want to confess. <laughs> Not an own one anyway. But maybe, just maybe, God wants us to put him on the throne. When Job come to the part of that last chapter and he understood God's sovereignty, that he was on the throne, he repented. And probably one of the greatest needs we have to repent is not having God on the throne in our everyday life. May the Lord help us to throne him, to not disown him, to never ever doubt him the throne for all things are of him and through him and to him for his glory.
you bow with me? We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're so great. We tried to sing a few minutes ago how great thou art, but Lord, we come so far short. I mean, this little preaching business, Lord, it's nothing compared to your greatness. As I know, Lord, you can take one word of this little fellow's mouth and impress it with your Holy Spirit into these in your congregation. and God, it changes life. Thank you so much for being so big, for being so great, for being on the throne, for being the God of all circumstances. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.